Hello and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. This is Josh. And this is Max. And we have kind of a funky schedule this week in that we had actually recorded a version of this podcast a couple of weeks ago, but we found out those those files were corrupted. So those of you guys who were, you know, chomping at the bit to hear about Let It Be a couple of weeks ago, the good news is it's here. It's here now. And so that's that's what we're gonna be talking about. But as as we do record a little bit in advance, we, we did have something um, kind of interesting go on this past weekend, which was the, the Super Bowl. Yes. And um, boy, if there was not a cultural moment that would define bridging the gap um, better, I don't know of it. I mean, it's 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 it, we know it's hard to it's hard to follow up the weekend. <laughs> that's true I, I apparently he might have a future in apparently entertainment he might but this was i mean i've maybe seen i think five or six super bowl halftime shows and i can't imagine a better one than this was a fantastic halftime show you know what i was utterly thrilled with it as a matter of fact so um we're i have not watched a football game in many many years and however, I've watched several uh, Super Bowl halftime shows and we were at home and we don't have access to regular TV. We actually ponied up for the four dollars and ninety nine cents to get Peacock so that we could watch the game. We actually watched the entirety of the game. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, well, the thing was, I, I think what we kind of got it started for us, though, was when so we finally we got it set up. And um, then as soon as it, we turned it on, um, the rock was oh, yep. in, the, in the middle of the football field, uh, behaving in a very strange fashion. Very, very comical. Very comical, yes. Well, you know he was doing his old rock yeah. persona. Um, but it, it was it was utterly bizarre. And should should we reference his outfit? Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like when you're in that good a shape and you're that much of a physical specimen See. that you might trust somebody to um, better choose a wardrobe for you i'm i need to refresh my memory is it like I'm a maroon oh yes deal, but oh yeah, almost yes. like a onesie oh yeah look there's, there's the curve there's the curve he has a pants tent too it's <laughs> but so with, with regard to the super bowl for me um i had reasonable expectations they more than met those expectations yes. um it's funny i was speaking to somebody before the super bowl about how i was excited about it and the, this person was was saying that maybe um you know, that, that they do something that was offensive. Right? And I was like, these guys haven't, they have an absolute understanding of their legacy yes. and of the venue in which they are performing, which is the Super Bowl. This is something that is... They're not new to this game. Right, right, right. Well, and this is something that is as, like, um, important, mythic, that will be remembered as much as anything that they do in their entire career. And so I had a sense that would, they would come out and absolutely be professionals. Yes. And they, they certainly were, I, I thought they were, I, I, I was, I was more than thrilled. I was a little disappointed that um, Eminem appeared to be lip syncing. Yeah, he, he did. He, he did. He did. And uh, Mary J. Blige for her first song, was lip syncing, but she was also doing all that dancing. She was doing crazy dancing. And then all of a sudden, all the dancers leave, and then she was definitely singing after that. Yes. I will. I got to. What, what was your favorite act I have to, of the of the group? What was your favorite? Um, I thought Snoop seemed the most chill. Yeah, like he seemed to be, like, dancing the most. 
Um, I know I was going to say that, um, that my uh, shout out to uncle T. Oh, oops, sorry. Grace, Grace just made the scene. Uh, settle down, settle down girl. Um, shout out to uncle T that he did have perhaps what I thought was the funniest line that I received a text about was that 50 cent looked like he'd been stung by a hundred bees. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, he did have that look about him, but I thought he was great. I, were you, are you familiar with the video for end club? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, so neither was I. And so apparently him hanging upside down is a reference to that okay. video. Because when I saw it, I was like, uh, this is- <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> so I, I did not understand that reference. But um, I thought I, I thought it was pitch perfect. Yeah, I think my favorite, um, my favorite was probably Kendrick Lamar. Uh, he was the most talented person on that stage the, in terms yeah. of what he delivered. Yes. Uh, probably not the most uh, uh, commercially viable in terms of the Super Bowl audience, but I thought he, 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 he brought nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because some of the feedback that I also received was that like – there were two pieces of feedback that I, that I received in terms of negative things in, in general. Uh, one was that Mary J. Blige was – annoying or something along those lines which i i thought she was cool i i i I do not have deep uh mary j blige roots by any means the people that i know who are into mary j blige did think that she they they were they were happy well and the thing is too you got to think that they're catering to an audience that is i don't know 40 50 percent women who probably not all of them are super into football at all and so um, it makes sense that they, they I, my, yeah. my feeling, and I haven't run this by you, but I feel like um, she was a little bit of uh, uh, different than the rest of the group. And I feel like if Rihanna hadn't recently announced that she was pregnant, that Rihanna probably would have played the Mary J. Blige role. Maybe, um, yeah. That's, 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 I, I feel like that would have been more natural. But as I understand that she's, I don't know, four or five months pregnant, I'm not, oh, oh that's whoa. great. Settle down. Jeez. I think the the uh, the number one criticism that I heard actually, well, I heard because turns out it was kind of a dud amongst um amongst uh the the my, my age. But it, you know what? It's not meant for you. It's I not. mean, I imagine the Who was a dud. I imagine when did the Who? The um, who did it? They, they they were among the bigger bombs of having done it. I don't know, five or see. six years ago. Now I'm curious. Yeah, that that is. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting decision because, but oh, but yeah. the thing is, is like I said, especially if you think about, and I know this, we're supposed to talk about the Beatles, but if you think about those commercials too, those commercials were all nostalgia for people about my age. Oh, like every oh, single yeah. reference, like it, it is the Sopranos one. Right, 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 right. No, it it, it reminds me of when I hear, um, all right, Grace, like, we're gonna have to kick you out. Yeah, you're gonna have to Grace, get out. Grace, all right, this is too much. Grace, uh, it reminds me of when you hear, um music at the grocery store that was popular when you were in high school and um, so, so, so there, there's a certain degree of sadness to that assumption but there's also something incredibly awesome about the fact that hip-hop um has achieved a status of nostalgia at this point yes i yep and and i would say but like for more specific complaints from from a people. Oh, I had one. The, other one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the specific, um, uh, the specific company that I heard that I kind of get, but I think I have their logic behind it was Eminem's choice of song. They were like, if they could have done anything but lose yourself because it's so popular and it's so, See, but, but, the, but then my, my logic was that I feel like what they did was they went up to Eminem. They're like, all right, look, we've seen, you know, like we're looking at your list of popular songs that a bunch of people know. 
a lot of these are about killing your wife or about doing drugs <laughs> or about like these don't play well. So you got to lose yourself. Like we don't have anything else. Well, well, and and, and I think though, I, I think lose yourself was perfect choice because I loved it. Uh, well, also it is about losing yourself in the moment and being caught in what's going on right now and the nature of the Super Bowl itself. I I feel like it was perfectly chosen, and I I can't think of anything that would be more suited to the venue because i like i think without me is in terms of you know popular songs um is way like a cooler song and i enjoy it more but what that's that would be a weird thing to sing at the funeral like yeah. like this or not yeah. at the funeral but the super, super bowl, bowl where it's like well this wouldn't be the same without me and it's like uh you're uh, no it, actually you're at you <laughs> you don't need to be here <laughs> sorry am uh, on, um, the who's 2010 Okay. Oh, so it's eleven years when you're old. Time goes yeah, by yeah, differently. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Should we like? Should we talk about this? Yeah. We should. We should probably talk about um the thing that we started this <laughs> that we that we began this morning, ready to talk about. Okay. So the Beatles. So, so um this is uh a I don't know how to speak in a way that does not engage in hyper hyperbole. Uh, one of the things that I've always said is that people who say that the Beatles are overrated, I don't trust anyone who says that the Beatles are overrated. Right, Uncle T. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for a while, but Uncle T, I feel like he's, he's, he's turned, turned a corner. His trust. Yeah. He's turned a corner. He's turned a corner. Uh, there are no queen, but um, they're definitely- um, No jazz. Right, right, right. Um, but it's interesting to me- No flash forward. That this had all- <laughs> 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 this had always been what I perceived to be the dog in their catalog. Really? Um, I had always, I, I didn't really understand the context of the album when I first heard it. And so there are definitely some strong songs that I, that I recognized at the time, but it really wasn't until um, seeing a majority of that um, get back documentary that I realized uh, the context in the fact that they actually went in in an attempt to um, write and record brand new material over the course of two weeks, theoretically record it live and then release that as an album. So um, that that helps me to, um, I don't want to say make peace with, but better understand kind of the bare bones um, context of what's going on in the album. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I, I've also seen most of the documentary. Because it, it, it is seven hours of right, content. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, we, we didn't just tap out at minute 30. Like, <laughs> this is good enough. We, um, But um, I think... I think that the doc the documentary definitely made some strong some songs feel more powerful to me, but also at the same time, this would so, be so the other album because it kind of created they created basically half of two albums in yeah, this documentary. They created Abbey Road in this. And because Abbey Road and and this album were so fundamental for me and the Beatles, um, it's it's hard for me to think of it as as, as the dog, because I um, I am very inexperienced in in the White Album mm. and in uh, I think it's Re Revolver and Rubber Soul and Rubber Soul. Like I I am inexperienced in um, their I guess pre breaking up catalog, which feels strange. Just. Yeah, no, I, I, I am very familiar that I had also seen there was a um, PBS documentary called Anthology that was done um, by the Beatles. I want to say it was like, goodness, I don't want to say how long ago it was. It was like 28 years ago or so. But it's it's a magical uh, series of um, documentary films. It's six, uh, as I recall, it was six video cassettes long. All right. And, uh, um, or VCR tapes. Right, right. 
Um, but I, uh, like I said, I, I'm quite familiar, and I didn't realize the extent to which this was a conscious attempt to return to their roots. So especially, it's it's almost like it all comes full circle to them trying to be that young band from from uh, Liverpool uh, yet again. Uh, any any other history that needs to be um, added? Any questions we got? I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing actually, I am very glad um, that before re going over this album, that uh, strangely enough, that we did a podcast on the Doors. Mm. Um, I don't recall exactly which episode that was, but if you look back, you can see you can see our podcast on the Doors. Or just start from the or beginning. just start from the beginning. Yeah, you know yeah. how it goes. <laughs> um, and I mean, it is a. Um, most of these songs, they just feel like such a um, distinct refinement of Doors songs. Like you can de- you can see the age in the Doors after going through this album. I feel like, and and you can see you can see the fundamentals of the Doors. I feel like in a few of these songs, but it is such. Um, which, by the way, this album is far and above anything that the Doors have made. But just the. The styles of the time, I feel like, are evident, and it was very fun to see the consistency throughout this album. Very interesting take. I wouldn't. I there, wouldn't there are two. There are two tracks. I will uh, when we hit them that I will be like, "That's a Doors one." Okay. Like if you were, and like it's not that like they got it from the Doors, but where it's like this is where I see the similarities, and I, and it's just. It, it makes me very happy that we did this podcast. Honestly, that's fascinating. So, in reference to last week's podcast on. Um, Led Zeppelin 2, one of the things that I found particularly interesting was that it was l- that I didn't re- like the timeline is kind of funky for me in terms of where it is that these bands are in relation to each other. Oh, yeah, because Led Zeppelin 2 came out the same Led year. Led Zeppelin album 2 did. came out the same year that this album did, but particularly it, Led Zeppelin 2 is the album that kicked Abbey Road off the number one rock chart. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So, and Abbey Road comes up, it comes out after this, even though it was recorded, you know, at a very, yeah, kind of, it's, it's a, it was a tumultuous, um, (laughs) recording time. And I, I am way pro Abbey Road. I've spoken to a bunch of people in my blues band and they seem to think White Album or Sgt. Peppers. And I think that, that Abbey Road is the, like, apotheosis that means perfect example um of, sounds like we got some guests that we need to call in of what um what what the beatles could could do and could accomplish in the studio um ready to move on or ready? Uh, i am yeah i'm ready to begin okay um two two uh, of us two of us Which it th- this we <laughs> we start off heavy. We, we, we start off heavy, but with a very like like that. That's what I love about most of these songs on this album is that it's a it's a very heavy theme, but with a very light guitar theme. So it makes it nice and digestible in terms of just the acoustic. Yes. of it. Yeah, it's 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 a very digestible song. Uh, well, that's certainly true. I, th- I think it's the perfect album opener for what it is that they're trying to do. Too, it's almost like they were um, telegraphing to us. 
um, what their intentions were and um, the degree to which they felt that they had met or not met those expectations. And when I think about those, uh, that relationship between Lynn and, and McCarthy, and I think two, them talking about two of us, that's them. Yeah. And they're both riding nowhere, spending someone's hard-earned pay. They're doing Sunday driving. They're not arriving. Um, that at this point in time, they, it was definitely a sense of, and I think Peter Jackson dispels the myth that it was all collapsing or falling apart. But I think that there was this sense of ambiguity about yes. what the future would hold. And if they were able to even keep, even if they were able to keep doing this thing, would that fundamentally be rewarding or pay off in the grand scheme of things? And I think that this. Which you can definitely see in the documentary. You mm. can see them kind of, kind of just wondering to each other, is this. What is this? Well, and, and even even just just the foreshadowing where he says, "You and I have memories longer than the road that stretches out of here." In other words, our our past, our, our, our history is road. so deep, and um, but you know what? That's the past, and we're we're moving in different directions. I just, I it is so so powerful, um, remarkable too. Yeah, it, it it's a way. It's a heck of a way to start an album. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. I mean, I would have to imagine it's one of my favorite album openers. Like, after going through the rest of the album, it is, it is up there with favorite album openers. Probably this, um, In the Flesh from Pink Floyd's The Wall mm. is also up there. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, and... So we've made... We, by the way, have we've turned a Pink Floyd corner, yes, it we, seems yes, like. Yes, Okay, okay. Specifically for The Wall. Um, but there's time. I'm not, I am not uh, against... Um, I'm not against Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, and, that's, that's, uh, okay, well, that's which, awfully rich of you. It's, it is. <laughs> um, well, it's, you know what, it's just such an underperforming album, right, I feel right. like I, we have to give it some new listeners, and <laughs> maybe I Wish You Were Here, eventually. Just the, the, um, the two massive starting and ending tracks feels daunting to... It is, it is daunting, it is daunting, especially if you're not... Uh, if you were not raised on classic rock radio, where it would have come across the radio and it was just playing, and so oh yeah, that was that was, like, that was the thing uh, with Sabine. Um, I was in the car with her, and we, we were driving home from M and P, and I had on I, I I had on Led Zeppelin radio, and I wish you were here came on, and um and and she was and she was going to change it to something else, and I was like, wait no, keep it. And she was like, it's five minutes long. And I was like, yeah. It's the shortest song on the album. Yeah, by far. <laughs> it's a Pink Floyd song. That's but funny. um but but anyway um I, I yeah i think we're ready to move on to um giga pony
which there's a lot here. Uh, the there. name, I almost wonder. I remember every time I see it, I just think the name just heavily implies, I feel like, country, even though I have no clue what it means to dig a pony. Um, well, I mean, yeah, the, that, that was the thing that was that's striking to me about it is I, I'm sure that I'm supposed to understand it. Yes. Um, it, I think that if we'd have grown up, this is like a, the perfect bridge in the gap thing. I feel like if we'd have been growing up in 1970, that well, and in Britain, that's yes. probably yes. an expression or reference that I that that and I would be you know more what? likely to understand. We, we have the internet. Right oh, we in do. Front of we us. do. That's so that's the good thing about not growing up in 1970. Um, but in terms of the the song itself, I, uh, I like. It's fascinating that they choose to put a false start on the album. That why why wouldn't you just cut the part where you yeah. know because they the, like I dig it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I but I I do I I feel though like it's weird. I feel like that almost um, that almost makes. It almost adds uniqueness to it because it works. Because well, it's a good album, it's a good addition. Well, and I also think that now that I understand the context a little better, that it makes it seem more um, uh, raw and rough, which is what they were going for. for. Look at Judging by the look on Max's face, it may be <laughs> that dig, dig a Pony may not be something it's, that we want to do lyrical analysis uh, No, it, well, ooh, that's heavy. Um... So uh, as um, as we probably find out, um, as well, I found this out only in my research. I didn't know this before doing it, but uh, John Lennon had a, a bit of a substance abuse problem. Yes, especially uh, during this time. Especially during this time, and he was even um, and this actually overflowed into um, previous songs too. Uh, the most notable one, of, uh, the most notable one that, that I found in my research was uh, was "Happiness Is a Warm Gun," mm-hmm. for where it was like a shoot, to, like shoot um, something along the lines of "Shoot to Thrill," mm-hmm. and it was and in um, hindsight, McCartney was like, "Yeah, that was his. That was from his heroin days." That's his ode to heroin. Yes, oh. and so it, I dig a pony, which um, street name for heroin. Okay, well then, I yeah. guess we would have hope maybe we wouldn't have known during the time. Yeah, um, depends on who we were running. But with. it's it's a it's a specifically British one from the '60s. Gotcha. I, like, I imagine it must have been like Mr. Brownstone. Right, 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 right. <laughs> exactly. Or Atomic Punk. Or Atomic or, Punk. Okay, or. so there's there's synonymous. Okay, um, so uh, I wanna, I wanna, yeah. honestly, I want to re-listen to the song now. Now, <laughs> now after that, that's very fascinating. Yeah, no, right. I had no idea. Um, yeah, I always just thought that it was a, a fairly Benign. Pleasant song. It's yeah. a waltz music. Which I mean, honestly, just like two of us, where yeah. if you don't if you don't pay too much attention to the lyrics, it's just a pleasant little, pleasant little doodah. It's so fascinating. I really didn't think about that before. Right. And it's, I mean, the happiness is a warm gun. Um, makes sense to me, and um, definitely jives with my understanding of what the song sounds like. And now, all of a sudden, thinking about that in connection to this. This, you're right. This has a very similar sort of uh, drag to it. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that with a little bit of remastering, it would probably work on Abbey work as an Abbey Road track. Maybe. But yeah. Abbey Road is kind of, I, I believe, generally considered to be Paul's baby. It's 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 um well it's definitely a little bit faster I would say. Well no no it, when I say Paul's well, no, baby yeah, yeah. He, I just mean he, that he was kind of the mastermind yes. behind most of what's going on there. Um, fascinating okay yeah, i'm, I'm right? thrown off i'm thrown off but all right in fact um, if, if anything i would have thought that this next song would be more would be indicative. the drug song yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Be the drug song yeah which uh, the next song is all i'm gonna put this is the Doors song <laughs> okay oh, yeah yeah that uh, makes sense across the universe
Words are flying out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. Which specifically, my thought every time was that this song, even though it, um, I'm I. This album is one of my favorites of all time, um, but this is, there has to be a least favorite on every album. This is it. Um, it feels, kind, but it does feel, it feels like a refined version of Crystal Ship. Like if someone saw Crystal Ship and was like, there's a lot of fat on this. We need to, we need to refine the guitar. We need to be a little more minimalist. We need to go smaller. Interesting. Uh, the, to me, this is like the most ethereal and like personal song on the album. Um, I think it's darn near meditative in terms of the way the what what they're doing. In fact, they even um, like have the Hare Krishna or Buddhist like chanting oh, yeah, yeah. on it as well. I apologize to any Hare Krishna or Buddhist listeners. I'm not sure exactly what it is that they're saying or what it's a reference to, but I do know that it is that the word would be meditative. Um, did you see the Across the Universe movie by any chance? No, I did not. Okay, it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. Um, it's far more. Um, abstract than that yesterday's movie you know where the guy like that that is more of just a commercial it's a great movie but across the universe it they take so many risks and um in my mind it 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 pays off i i I think it, it it absolutely works i think it's fascinating to me um i wonder i wonder if we can come up with some sort of game about how often i say fascinating or ph- phenomenal or remarkable but um there that can be shortly created right right, right. but none, nonetheless that they would choose um this particular title to identify with their full-on homage to the beatles yeah yeah it, it yeah it, it is a I think it's fine. I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be unhappy if it came on on the radio. Like I wouldn't skip it. But I can't imagine looking at the Beatles catalog and then thinking across the universe. That's the one that, that I want. that's the one I want to put on. Now this next track, however. Okay, go. I mean mine. This also, I feel this just like the last one. It's it's age is apparent, mm-hmm. but the the movement from well, it's it's kind of like um I forgot what word used exactly last week about Jimmy Page, but the positive the dynamics, dynamics, the dynamics, the dynamics of this song are phenomenal. The trend, the the movement between the kind of like some kind of country ish aspects mm-hmm. or folk ish aspects, and then into the rock and roll of the time, is is an incredible transition that happens throughout the song. Now I know it's phenomenal, but is it fascinating and or remarkable? It can be all, it can be all of the good adjectives, okay, the good all ones. of the surprising adjectives. The goodest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, George Harrison tune, I think it works. I, you know, it's, 
funny that you should say that I won't say it's fascinating uh, that you you should reference the dynamics because one of the notes that I put down was it works perfectly in the context of the album and I think my implication here is that it is dynamically balanced with the other songs that are around there uh it, it is it's an amazing too well what's amazing to me too is this is one of the ones that um George throws out there as he's trying to get songs yeah. onto the album because because his whole beef in the do- a big beef of his in the documentary is that he's not getting any, a chance yeah, to 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 write which I mean I I know people who have in hindsight and he's he has definitely earned his stripes mm-hmm. as as a post Beatles uh, musical mm-hmm. creator so it it does make sense yeah, all that things he must would pass ha- is yeah. an, just oh an I mean it's incredible like he. He, he has established himself as an incredible songwriter, so it makes sense that he would be like, hey, like, I need – give me something. Here. Mm-hmm. And this something is great. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 kind of like – it's kind of like a jam vehicle, but it's really, really loose, but you can feel the structure of it as well. So um, good tune. This was probably the most fascinating one for me to see on the documentary in terms of just people being nonplussed by it and it, you know, becoming a – very very strong tune on the album i've got one for that but i'll it's, it's coming later okay now as i recall and um in the original recording in the original did, recording yes. what we did was we kind of sandwiched um dig it let it be and maggie, maggie may, may together because dig it and maggie may are kind of uh I'm, i'll say throwaway songs do you uh, have things to say though or like i will i will okay, but cool, we'll cool. do we'll, we'll sandwich it again we'll, we'll sandwich it again so what you can expect to hear right now is going to be let it be but know that um you know um Diggit and Maggie May are also amongst those that we'll be talking about. So let it be. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. So now I don't recall because this is another album where I um I only had it on CD. Is this is uh, Dig It where the side B starts or give me a second, I'll 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 do some quick research. Okay, yeah, just just because um, it is interesting. I feel like um, it's it could just as easily be the end of side A, or but it feels like it intros right into Let It Be. So in fact, Maggie May is the end of side A. Okay, well that that yeah. that, that absolutely makes sense. It sounds like that's a very short side B, but that's that's fine. Uh, it is at night. Well, oh, I, oh, well, I mean, the album as a whole is really short. Like I remember, I was I was telling my friend about it, and I was like, yeah, it's and the album as a whole is uh. 34 minutes okay i think and i was selling it to a friend and she was like that's an ep like right, that's not right. that's not an album well it's like, an e- yeah but it's it's also 11 tracks it's an ep and it's also though in keeping with particularly their first three or four albums which seems to be what they were what they were attempting to go for i don't know uh dig it kind of throwaway tune but again the scope of the album kind of makes this this acceptable where then they drop into let it be which is practically divinely inspired yes it is it it, it is a perfect song like there, there is i don't know how else to describe it besides it's a perfect song well it makes me wonder i mean it sounds so perfect that it makes me wonder if he had to change anything as he was writing it, or if it just like 
vomited out of him in some way. Because there are, uh, uh, if you watch the documentary, you'll find out there are some tracks on this in the making of um, these two albums that that was definitely their creation was just utter utter spontaneity. It just falls out of him. So this is a Paul McCartney, um, Paul McCartney piece of of artistry. In fact, speaking of Paul McCartney, I'm considering getting uh, tickets to see Paul McCartney in in May. But tickets go on sale on Tuesday, but there's no word whatsoever on what the price of the tickets is. Ooh. And so that's, it's a hard... Do you, do you think he'll be doing a lot of his solo stuff? Or do you think he'll be... Um... Oh, no. He, he he does, for the last 20 years, he does about 30 songs. And he does about 20 Beatles songs, about seven Paul McCartney and or Wing songs. And, and some then, covers. Or three songs that are ones that you don't know what they are. They're the, <laughs> right, right, he's just jamming. Right, right. Well, no, he just decided to do this uh, spontaneous cut from you know a solo album, or he's trying. I don't think the, I don't think he's presenting any new material this this time around, though. All right, all right. Are you ready to move on to? I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. This this is, um, this is um. I love Let It Be, but this is probably also one of my favorite on the album. This this song has what I'm pretty sure is my favorite moment in that um documentary, which is the it, it was it's the creation of the song and it is the this is um the song it was the first time I think in the documentary where I really saw the the nitty gritty of the creation of, the of song this song writing. and about how like my favorite part was literally just them talking about semantics it was it was John Lennon saying should I say we've had a good year or should I say we've had a great year should I say we've had a bad year or that we've had a worse year like should should I say keep our hair down or keep our hair long and those like knowing what watching them talk and be like maybe we should do this maybe we should do that or watching or watching McCartney talk to Lennon and watching him basically be a guitar teacher to Lennon. Watching him be basically say like, all right, then we go to C, and then E, and doing the things that you've said to me, doing the same. It's it was a very powerful song to watch the creation of. Yeah, I I've always loved this song, and you may not have yet made the connection, but next time you hear what I got by um, Sublime, that they basically they crip this song. My my generation's favorite band. Yeah 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 exactly. No no no. I'm serious. Listen listen again. I, I might and, and attempt not to sing along to. I've got a feeling for it. Um, I had the um, dubious honor of getting a chance to play this one live, where I got to channel my inner McCartney and, and just yell and just sh- shout and yell and. Uh, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. It was, I, was, I, I don't think that I was completely successful in what it was that I was trying to do. Um, I will continue to try to do so. And it is fun because you do get to, and I'm not going to shout here, but you get to shout out the, yeah. Well, I will. Yeah. 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 I got But as and you can then, tell now, my, but, my but, voice. And then Lennon goes soft. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, no. He's the, dynamic. he's the yeller. He can be the yeller when he mm-hmm. needs to, but he goes soft. Well, in the back and forth between the two of them, it reminds me of... Um, a Day in the Life, which you may or may not know, but it's a pretty famous um, Beatles song from Sgt. Pepper's. Um, that it is so most of the songs that they wrote that they gave e- that they both get credit on was based on the fact that when they first started, they agreed to 
give each other credit on the song no matter what. So most of them are like McCartney originals, but it just says Lennon McCartney. Yeah. Or Lennon originals, Lennon McCartney. And I think that this, in addition to Day in the Life, is a good example of them um, actually uh, um, collaborating. That and getting better from uh, Sgt. Pepper's also, I think is another good example of that specific thing of their collaboration piece. Yes. Um, are you ready to move on to uh, one after 909? I am. Which, I mean, my my primary comparison to this is Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. And this is also actually a fun, fun fact. This is the only song uh, that was written before they uh, started the... This is the only song that they had uh, before the recording sessions. That's fascinating to me in that... Um, I don't know if it's remarkable or it phenomenal. Written, yeah, it was written but, when, Lennon, when John Lennon was a teenager. Okay, no, no. I, you, you stepped on my joke, but that's all right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Oh. Uh, no, uh, the reason why it is fascinating to me <laughs> is that on, this is one of the songs that I think that Billy Preston is almost is most prominent. Billy Preston's the guy who they bring in to play keyboards. Oh, kind yeah, of, yeah, kind yeah. of inspires them as they move forward. And he seems to play such a huge role and um, it's, 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 to me, it sounds like a simple but really spirited jam session where they were like, okay, we'll just go, we'll go to D, we'll go to A, we'll go to E, and we'll, you know, see what happens. Yeah. And so the fact that this is something that they'd been sitting on or that Lennon had been sitting on for some period of time um, is, is a bit surprising. Uh, but I also feel like this is, I'm going to use the big A word again, an apotheosis or the apotheosis of what it was that they were trying to accomplish with, with this album. Yeah. I think that Let It Be is is obvious or obvious to me is a better piece. But in terms of them trying to capture the spontaneity of being in a band, trying to go writing back songs to on the fly, that I feel like this is a perfect um, example of what it is that they were actually trying to do. They're trying to go back to Twist and Shout. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, do you have any idea what One After 909 is? I don't uh, want to find yeah, out that it's a dig uh, pony thing. No, it is. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, this time it's not heroin. This okay. time it's just driving. It's just, it's just, it's just literally driving down the road with friends. Oh, is the nine oh nine something? Yeah, the nine oh nine. It's a it's a freeway or or whatever in the whatever UK. they call it. You know, yeah, what, those limey Brits. Where where they where they drive on the wrong side of the road? <laughs> right, right, right. Like a bunch of fools. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, down and get, do you know where they drive? They drive down their long and winding road. Oh, oh my goodness! It's almost like you planned that. Like, I would say that, like, tonally, the song, it feels like Let It Be. 
like 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 like, like the guitar themes of it, but without the the soloing. It feels there just like the slow and kind of the lilting nature of it, where it it's very soft, and just kind of continues throughout. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because now I I realize that I've forgotten to say something about Let It Be, and about the um just thematically and emotionally where it seems they are. I think it's in keeping with two of us as oh, well the, the, yes, as yes. well as this particular song that there's there's something. Um, bittersweet about it. There is not an identification that things are perfect or will be perfect or were perfect, but that we've spent all of this time together. And you know what? It's not gone the way that I expected it would, mm. but um, that doesn't change the significance of what we've been through and what we've learned and that we are going... We're, it, just the whole notion of let it be that, that degree of peace and acceptance... Um, not bitterness or resentment. And um, I think that thematically, it's very much in keeping with Peter Jackson's narrative of the uh, performances, but not necessarily um, in keeping with what had been the common po popular like conception of what what was going on with regard to the Beatles. Um, it, 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 although I, you know, I have a difficult time imagining it, I'm pretty sure that this would make more sense on Abbey Road, though. Because it does seem like it just pops up out of nowhere and is it is the opposite of almost everything that's come before because it's not raw, it's not rough, no. it's fully conceptualized. Um, and I know that we, we talk about Let It Be, um, but Let It, you know, having, we wouldn't describe Let It Be as being rough, but Let It Be also feels far more organic. Like it just, like yes. you said, poured out. Whereas this feels like a construct that um, that works and is awesome. That's not anything critical about it. But um, but I, yeah, it's a beautiful tune. Beautiful tune. Um, anyway, the long and winding road is because I believe that's the one oh, that we're okay, officially good. on. That, that's um, a, that's what I was talking about. Oh wait, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I was in another place. <laughs> okay. So, um, well, now that I'm re going back over, yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like my my only thing I would add is that I feel like this um would be a good ending to the album. Uh, yes. Get like get get back is we will get to get back. We will. Um, but I mean it is it is on the album. Um, right. but I mean this feels it feels like thematically this would have been a great ending that mm -hmm. we we have gone down the long and winding road, and we're done. We're we're just done. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think. I absolutely agree with you. There would be a perfect ending song. I think it would work, even though I said at the beginning that I wasn't um, sure, I was difficult time imagining it, it on Abbey Road. I think it's an ending track to Abbey Road after the the big medley. Um, I think it would be perfectly placed. It would be perfectly placed here. I we'll we'll talk about Get Back. Yep. I'm sure, but first we have to talk about For You Blue. <laughs> Which feels like a nice little kind of acoustic bit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the massive finale that some of the other songs on this album has, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really need it. It's just a nice little guitar 
just a nice little acoustic bit that mm-hmm. feels like was, it's another one that feels organic and like it was just kind of created and they were like we'll do that one that little like someone was just that as Eddie Van Halen would put it they were just noodling mm-hmm. and then they were like oh we this that actually sounds good let's just slide that in yeah yeah I'd be very very surprised if this were not had not been written during the White Album this this is an this is a song that George was sitting on no doubt um in fact it sounds like a White Album is it a George song to me. Uh, I'm double checking. You know, that. please do because actually, I have. It is a it is a George song. Okay, it is. My notes say question mark George song, but it did. I mean, it's it's. So yeah, he, he might have been sitting on. Yeah, you're right. Oh, oh no, I I. There's no doubt about it that it lines up with a lot of the stuff from the White Album. Um, I think that it's it's pretty sparse and pretty cool. I like the instrumentation. I think he's probably playing a banjo or a mandolin on there. Or something. Inspired by Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm I, I'm reading the Wikipedia as we speak. Okay, good. You can't go wrong with can't that. Can't go wrong with Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, actually, I believe this is one of the... Um, oh, okay, yeah, this is a verified article. Because they got those now on Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah, because that's definitely... Because, you know, because it's on the school computer and they block a lot of music things, Wikipedia has been important. And when we do the bigger albums, a lot of them are protected or ha- or have um, things on it where you're not able to automatically edit it. Stuff like Queen or, or um, Next Week Guns N' Roses... Um, oh, that's what we're doing next week. Oh, yeah, way. yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, next week. Guns N' Roses, Appetite mm. for Destruction, my I, pick. I think I've heard that song, or that album before. Once or twice. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm just checking for White Album stuff. Um, okay, well, while you're doing that, yeah. how about we jump up to Get Back? You got it. There's n- not seen anything about um, White Album, but get back. the The creation of this song is um, probably my second favorite moment in the documentary. It's my favorite moment. Yeah, it, it, it well, it was a moment of um, it, it was a moment of mystery for a while of what because it starts off and it goes like and it was like Paul McCartney in the next two minutes is about to write the Beatles' next hit hit single. And I was like, well, this is, like, which one is this going to be? Because they'd already shown him making a few, and it slowly comes together. It just emerges. It just emerges. Yeah. So, like, like Harrison walks in, and he starts picking up, like, a bass, or I don't know what he picks. He picks up, a, mm. he picks up you know, an instrument, because they could all play everything. Mm. And then Lennon walks in, and he's, well, no, and then Ringo Starr walks in, and he starts just tapping. And then Lennon walks in, and he just starts strumming, and mm. it just happens and so is tucson in arizona like even the the discussion of the lyrics yes. that he's coming up with as he's just kind of that he's figured out a melody and it's kind of mumbling uh a certain number of words hoping that it all fits like that's literally what he's saying he's literally just like he's just doing that the whole time I'm glad we got our humming in. Yeah, right? Um, well, we got so much in last week. I feel right, like we right, have yeah, to exactly even out. Right, right, right. Um, but it's amazing how many of these songs are just simple, standard blues progressions yes. that become Beatles songs. Um, that this It reminds me a long time ago 
uh, when I was listening to Tom Petty, me thinking that like, it was when me, I was thinking about possibly, you know, writing music. And I was like, if I wrote that, I would think that I was not done. Like, there's no, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would not be confident enough to say, okay, well now here we have a song. Here we have a riff. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I feel like with so many of these that I, I could find myself in that same category. One of the funny things about this, the get back thing is that it is that standard blues progression, but it does do like some, some funky changes at different funky times that I think makes it, that's once again, sets it apart from what would it just be a standard blues jam. Yeah. So holistically, with regard to this album, um, I grew a um, significant amount of um, love for this album, and I guess respect for the album because, yes. as it is part of the Beatles, you know, canon. Obviously, I will. I've you know loved it ever. You know, always. Um, but it, I really, I'm so glad that as a result of, and this, I can't really totally attribute to bridging the gap, to be honest, I probably should attribute it to Peter Jackson. To the documentary. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that it, it really, um, I think, I think our goal and, um, the goal of the documentary, but our goal generally from week to week on these sorts of podcasts is that we, at least, at least amongst ourselves, you know, but maybe not for you, maybe you know this stuff already, but that we're able to kind of contextualize um, how we feel about certain pieces of art and um, why it is that we feel that way, especially in comparison to uh, one another. And now I, I want to remind you guys if you um, have oh, any feedback. I have one feedback. more point actually. Oh, 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 oh. Just for so th this this album is this album became one of my favorite albums of all time. I um, as I as I alluded to last week, um, Led Zeppelin two is number ten. Um, this is number four. Just on, so on, we got to listen to some more. Beatles. We got, oh, we we do, we do. Right. But <laughs> it is a, it, I mean, given that it is a list of, I believe, less than thirty albums, so we have a lot of listening to do in general. But um, but yeah, this is, this is without a doubt one of the best albums I have ever listened to. Okay, well, if you have any feedback about any of this, uh, this this wild wild hyperbole. Um, feel free to send us and drop us a note. We uh, take emails. I'll say, if you want to hear Wild Hyperbole, tune in next week for uh, Guns uh, and Roses, Roses after Destruction, played by one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Uh, top five, no doubt. <laughs> top five, no doubt. But please feel free to email us at btgpodcast123 at gmail.com or send us an at or a tweet or whatever you want to call it um, at btgpodcast123. Uh, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, remember... Once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. See you guys around.